You're listening to the Analuya podcast, where faith and animation collide. Each episode, we'll discuss the various topics in animated movies and TV shows, while also sharing our thoughts and opinions as they relate to faith and spirituality. Get ready to raise a hallelujah. It's time for Analuya. And you're locked into another episode of the Analuya podcast, and I'm ready for a time of wonder and excitement with my wife, Rebecca. Hey, everybody. And this has been an interesting uh, past weekend week. We uh, were um, dog-sitting for my uh, my father-in-law, and um, the dogs are are an interesting mix. We had a older golden doodle, though, a 12-year-old golden doodle, and then we had a teacup Yorkie. So interesting mix to pair that with a pit sh- uh shepherd nicks and another golden doodle as well yeah they were interesting to have all together the little yorkie little teacup yorkie penelope she was adorable she was honestly the easiest honestly she she was so cute just to be able to hold and yeah she was just like a little lap dog it was really fun i liked having her around um poor scarlet though the the older golden doodle she was um, it was hard for her to get around. She's having joint problems and her back legs aren't working very well. So they kind of would give out on her every so often. And yeah, she's getting so old. Yeah. It was kind of sad to see that. And, you know, your heart just goes out to her, but I mean, you know, she's getting up there in age. I know it just, it reminded me honestly, um, that Molly and Ginger are going to get to that point at some you know some they never will this is not gonna happen we're not gonna <laughs> think about it <laughs> well we've got something really special lined up uh for this episode it is not another one of the film it's not disney we're gonna bring it back with a little bit of don bluth if you're familiar with who don bluth is he did thumbelina he did a troll in um central park he did princess and the goblins but the movie that we'll be talking about today was also with Steven Spielberg and Rebecca. You hadn't seen like this movie the all the way through. This was like your first time, wasn't it? I think I saw the second one, maybe bits and pieces. Okay, the sequel, yeah, but not the first one. So this was a first watch for her. Yeah, I watched this movie maybe dozens of times as a kid, along with other. Favorites such as The Land Before Time and a whole host of others. And so, Rebecca, what is the movie that we will be discussing today? We are going to be talking about an American tale. But there are no cats in America, and the streets are paved with cheese. Oh, there are no cats in America, so set your mind at ease. Unfortunately, that's not true. (laughs) And this is the whole premise of this movie. And when you're, if you've ever seen an American tale enough times, you kind of develop a sense of what it is really about. It's teaching you a little bit about history because it's an allegory to what was taking place during that time. Before we get too far into it, this came out in 1986. And it is a universal film, again, by Spielberg and Don Bluth. And the setting that it takes place in 
rather the year is 1885. Exactly a hundred years before it came out. Cause it came out where I didn't 1986. Well, not, yeah, correct. Yeah. So, so you're right. A hundred years uh, in the past. That's interesting. I didn't put that together when we watched it. And I, I was going to think about making a back to the future reference. Oh. But I'll, I'll, I'll digress. As much as I would love to regale Back to the Future I for know. this whole episode, we're not talking about Marty. We're not talking about Doc Brown. We're talking about Fievel. That's right. Fievel. So Sweet, little, innocent, frustrating Fievel. You were very frustrated watching this. I was very frustrated. And I think talking to you earlier about what we were going to say, I think I realized why it was so frustrating, why he was frustrating to watch. Because, I mean, okay, so the idea of this whole story, we start off in Russia, right? Where the Mouskovitz. Yeah, you're right. Mouskovitz uh, family, the Mouskovitz family, they are in Russia and they're being oppressed by the cats, which I don't know what group, I should have looked it up beforehand, but they're, it's basically talking about a group in Russia that was oppressing the people at the time. And that's represented by cats in the movie. And that's pretty true throughout uh, throughout the movie. The cats are the antagonist, which makes sense because, you know, they're mice. <laughs> yeah. I was telling you earlier, this kind of reminded me of the graphic novel um, Moss, which is spelled M-A-U-S. And for those of you who read this in high school or maybe college, it is a allegory to World War II where the Jews were presented by mice, the cats were Germans, the pigs were Polish, the dogs were American. A very good visual representation, which I think a lot of schools, the last time they read, are banning this book because it has a swear word. Huh. But yeah, there's a whole host of other books that have a bunch of worse things in it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if a story gets the point across with only one swear word, like it, it's fine. Kids are saying worse things. Yes. In the hallways. <laughs> you know, I mean, but by the time they get to high school, they know. They, 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 they know. They've enhanced their uh, vocabulary, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. But getting back to what you were saying, Rebecca, this all starts in Russia, mm. 1885, yes. the Moscovitz uh, family, and the father is giving out gifts, and he made the wrong choice to give a family um, heirloom, heirloom mm-hmm. to a child who can't be more than six. And for you, Fievel, a new hat. And not just any hat, a new hat that has been in the family for three generations. It belonged to me, my father, and my father's father. And now it belongs to you. Yes, and it constantly loses it purposefully accidentally every other way sometimes you don't even know what happened to it i was yeah. really fixated on that hat for some reason i was like he doesn't have the hat get the hat oh yeah <laughs> uh, de- definitely um i remember the song between the pigeon and Fievel. Oh, um yes. never say never and like oh you gotta switch hats switch hats yeah i'm like that's a fairly family heirloom pigeon can't keep the hat yeah so to my point about Fievel 
is uh, they, so they, they're being oppressed by the cats in Russia. And they're like, you know what? It's time to get the heck out of here. So they decide to go to America. So they get on this boat and, um, and they, they go off to America, which is where we get the, there are no cats in America. Where the streets, which is, uh, streets are paid with cheese. Yep. <laughs> and kind of during that time, this is really about the allegory of immigration yeah. in the United States. Because there, there was uh, there were a lot of people that were being oppressed in different countries, Italy, Russia, um, Ireland, um, from what we know from what's represented in this movie, and they all want to go to America to live out the American dream because land of opportunity. Streets are paid with gold. Yep, or cheese if you're a mouse. Right. <laughs> yeah, it it made me think of the promised land. This idea of you know. God giving the land of Israel to the Israelites and that that was their promised land. And they thought, oh my gosh, there's going to be no troubles, no worries. God took us out of Egypt. Although they, they didn't always remember that. They, they're very forgetful people, just like we are, but they're very forgetful people. Um, so that God took us out of Egypt and we're, he's going to give us this new land and it's going to be glorious and easy and wonderful. And then they get there and they're like, holy crap, there's people who were humongous. There's giants in there. We are but grasshoppers in their sight. And then they, they talk down to themselves. It's kind of like like the, cat, uh, the, the mice. They're like, there are no cats in America and the streets are paved with cheese and everything is wonderful and glorious and no strife, no nothing. And then they get there and they're like, dang it, there's cats here too. And and the mom, you know, is relishing that, you know, the dad and the mask with his family is wrong. It's like, all right, mister, there are no what in America? <laughs> Cats. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, that's what we would all like to believe about life. We would like to believe that there is going to be no more strife, no more pain, no more suffering um, while we're here on earth with Jesus, like when we become Christians. And that's just not true. You know, the rain pours on both the wicked and the righteous. I mean, you're absolutely right, because I think there's a misconception that once you enter into the family of God, or once you get saved, that everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows, and you're really going to be the best you're never going to sin no if you are one of the lucky ones to have like this massive experience and you do a total 180 in the span of like a week it doesn't always happen great but for the majority of us it is a gradual change yeah we may stop you know swearing if we were thinking the swearing we may stop you know gambling if we really thinking the gambling It's chipping away little by little and becoming a better person. Nobody, at least I wouldn't expect anybody to be, all right, you're saved. Automatically, you're going to stop doing all the the sins you're you're involved in. Well, yeah, and it's not just becoming a better person, though. It's becoming holy. Because God says in Deuteronomy, whatever that is, be holy for I am holy. And his sanctification process is what we are all going through to make us holy. And just because you're a quote unquote good person does not mean that you're going to get to heaven, unfortunately. 
The only way is through Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. But yeah, so this idea of the the promised land and not having any difficulties is just not true. And, and in the Bible, of course, we see the Israelites when they get to the promised land and well, they 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 reject God's plan for them to go to the promised land and have to wander around for 40 years. Um, finally, when I think Moses was the last one to die um, before, oh my gosh, Joshua and Caleb led the rest of the Israelites into the promised land area, what's now Israel, which is, I haven't checked this out myself, but my grandmother says that the Israelites were actually given way more land than what they currently possess as the nation of Israel, which I find interesting. But when they got there, well, they had to fight a bunch of battles. So it's this this idea, which is why this story is in there in the Bible, because we know that when we become Christians, when we enter the promised land, we still have to fight battles. You know, Satan is still roaming around like a roaring lion, prowling, um, you know, seeking whom to whom to devour. And um, so we we still have to fight those battles, and not just with Satan, with ourselves, with our flesh, with um, the law that tends to rise up inside of us, with um, all kinds of things. And, you know, but but God is with us. He's on our side. Um, just like he was with the Israelites as well. And he's with, if we're stretching it here, but <laughs> he's with the, the mice as they're fighting their battles against the cats. And that's what I got on that subject anyway. <laughs> I've got more to say, but that one I'm... But yeah, I get what you're saying about the promised land because there is no quote-unquote promised land as it is now presently on the earth. There is no place you can go where you don't have any worries or troubles or battles that you'll have to fight or temptation that you may or may not fall prey to it's all going to be there until you know christ returns and we roll and reign with him yeah that's right getting back to the historical part of this movie once the mice and the humans for that matter arrive in america they're going through the immigration process and in the movie, we see this guy come through, and he's got, like, some law and foreign name. He's like, all right, Mr. Smith. So you just saw, all of a sudden, receive a new identity in America. Just like Tanya, Fido's sister, her name has changed to Tilly when arriving in America, because apparently Tanya is not American-sounding. No, and they, they did that quite a bit when they came through Ellis Island. Which Have you ever been to Ellis Island, Josh? I have not. It's really powerful, honestly, when you go through. I went well, a while ago. Actually, I could we couldn't go up in the into the Statue of Liberty at the time. It was still closed, I think, for like terrorist reasons when I went. Um, so it was it was a long time ago. But yeah, it was really impactful to see cuz you could walk around um that big building where all of the the immigrants uh, those who were immigrating into America, how they were processed, what it looked like, the lines, what they checked for. They had to go through like a period of, of holding. And sometimes they would spend months on a boat, get here, and then be turned back to go home. And it's just so sad. 
they were being so selective though. They had to check for, um, for lice and make sure that they wanted people coming to America who had like good jobs. Basically they were people who could contribute to society. And yeah, it, it was, a it was a rough process, but it was cool to be able to find uh, some family members actually that came through Ellis Island on the big, they have this big, oh. big memorial where you can see all the names of the people who came through Ellis Island when it was open. That is pretty cool to, you know, see some relatives, you know, who integrated over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was. And, and I imagine, you know, just like we saw in American tale, the names were changed and people were lost in history because their names were completely changed. That makes it hard, <laughs> hard for family historians. My mom's a family historian she loves all that kind of stuff. She's got all the like family trees all done and uh, both on my, on her side and, and on my dad's side. Your mom should be a historian. With I all know. the research she does. She's a jack of all trades. She yeah. can do anything. Honestly though. I know. <laughs> like we'll go over sometimes like, yeah, and I didn't know how to do it, but I looked up and by George, I did it. Yep. Yeah. My mom and I are, are similar in that way. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, I get my haircuts through you now. Yeah. You just I watch watched a couple of videos. Yep. And then you're now a master hairstylist. Oh, that's not true. Don't you, expect much. <laughs> <laughs> you you looked it up and decided on, and now are a master calligraphy. and I did teach myself calligraphy, modern calligraphy. That's been really fun. Yeah. And I can learn. And you, and you know how to do needlepoint? I do. I do. I haven't picked it up in a long time, but I do know how to do it. I can sew. For those of you listening, I'm, I'm building a resume for my wife. So uh, there you go. <laughs> all the crafty things that I can do. <laughs> you could you could be one of those. Well, when you get older, uh-huh. um, because let's face it, I'm never going to get older. I oh, mean, really yeah. now? You're yeah. immortal? Yeah. <laughs> you can be one of those little old ladies at the craft fair. <laughs> I could. Well, I guess this is a good time to kind of segue into family. Uh, since we're talking about, you know, family history. and <laughs> Okay, yeah. So a big portion of this film is about Philo's family, which you get separated from, Yeah. looking for him. And there are so many cross-betweens, oh my so gosh. many near-misses. It hurt me so much. I know. The too. first time it happened, I was like, ah, no, <laughs> come on. Josh was like, get used to it. It's going to keep happening. I'm like, no. Yeah. They were so close. It was entertaining watching you during those really? moments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just like family is a very big part of this movie, I would say for you and I, family is a big part of who we are as well. Oh, absolutely. Because that, that was one of the things I yeah. think that when we first started dating, that it was like, I need someone who's just as into family as I am. Honestly, like our best friends are family yeah well yeah i would say your sister and you know sisters and their husbands and mm-hmm. um yeah. you know our aunts uncles parents grandparents yeah i mean for fun on the weekends we go hang out with parents that's how we party Woo! they're fun <laughs> I, I will say yeah they're, they're not um to borrow uh and turn from the little mermaid you're not a funny daddy daddy <laughs> no. So yes, I am, and now I ruined your party. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, like they're not 
again, using an old term, they're not squares. <laughs> they, they, know, they know how to have fun, and we had chocolate martinis and all the good mm, stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. That, that's one thing I always like look forward to when we went to your mom's. Yeah. Is like, man, we're going to be celebrating with something tonight. <laughs> it's always something at their house. It's like almost every time that we went over, it's like, hey, would you guys want some Marco's pizza? I'm like, yeah. No, it wasn't Marco's. It's, um, um, oh my gosh, now that you've said that. Oh, no, no, Jets. Jets, yes, yes, Jets pizza. I'll still never forget the time. Oh my gosh, when mom. Yes. Um, she is on the phone. <laughs> and I guess she was trying to order an extra large. <laughs> yes. And the guy's like, yeah, we don't have this. Like, she was like. Really? Well, I ordered it like last week. <laughs> oh, you know what? Don't worry about that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It was the way she said it, though. Mom is usually like so, so, I don't know, calm and cool, collected. And man, when she gets on the phone with people, it's really funny. She hung up and we were all like, oh, my gosh, that poor little like teenager who doesn't know what's happening. He probably... Just it was probably his like first day, and he didn't even know that extra large pizzas existed at Jed's. And <laughs> you just like told him what was up. <laughs> yeah, time to give that to Fidel. Woo! We leave that family. To, to, we haven't even yeah. talked about his family. We just talked about our families. Well, so kind of goes with the same thing, I guess. Yeah, but yes. So okay, let's talk about this. In the beginning, was the word, and the word was with God. And the yes, word was God. Yes. No, not that beginning. <laughs> In the beginning of the movie, we see Father. We see Father Naskovitz. We see Mother Naskovitz. Do they have names? Or is it Ta- just Mother and Father? Or Mama and Papa? Mama and Papa. Cool. And we have Tanya and we have Father. We also have a baby that we don't see any mention of after they get off the boat. Uh, No, I think. So I think she has him in his arm. Him, her baby. It's a girl, actually. Oh, girl. Okay. Um, so I think Mama Mouskovitz, she has baby the whole film, I think, except for the very end when it's like, oh, the whole family is reunited. Yay. Wonderful. But where's baby? Okay. So, okay. So maybe maybe I misunderstood because when you said it, it made it sound like, oh, she, she hasn't been here since the last time. (laughs) no. No, I, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, unless I just missed it. I thought I saw Mama Mouskovitz with the baby in her arms it's a couple times. But yeah, at the very end, it was like, okay, what happened to your baby? The whole family's not together. Maybe it's just because they went out and looked for Fival. I mean, that, that could be possible that they just left the baby with another mouse or something. Maybe. we'll We'll say that's true. I don't know. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of inconsistencies with this movie. If I'm honest, like one second Fivel has his hat, the next second his hat is tucked in his little belt on his back, and you're like, what? What happened? How did he do that? When did he do that? I didn't well, see that happen. That's when we had to suspend the reality or suspend disbelief. I guess as you would say. Uh, yes, yes. That was a little a little difficult for me to to get behind. If I'm honest. But with Father's family, he, he kind of goes through different quote-unquote families. Yeah, that's true. He's got his real family, and then he's got sort of the found family. Yes. So he has, you know, Tony, who he runs into yeah, Tony. at the uh, when he gets employed at the sweatshop. 
And then he also, when he goes to Orphan Alley, when he abandons all hope. Yeah, that was that was a pretty powerful scene, actually. Um, Orphan Alley, because you see Fivel, and he's fallen into this this Orphan Alley, and, and there's these other mice around who are like, "Oh yeah, you lost your family. <laughs> Join the club, basically." And they're kind of making fun of him for crying, which is not cool. But I mean, they're kids and kids are mean. (laughs) They can be, you know, very insensitive, particularly if they've suffered hardship like these kids had. But um, so you see like the tight shop and shot and um, yeah, five gives up and he's like, you're right. They would have come looking for me. Nobody loves me anymore. And then he falls asleep and then they start zooming out. And then you see more mice and more kids, more kids, more kids. And it just... It's like a whole colony of orphans almost. Yeah, yeah. When you think about, you know, the the people who came to America at the time, I mean, they may not have been... I mean, it it, it was it was rough during that time, particularly on the, the streets of New York and the slums, really. And think of all the diseases that are there and all kinds of things where perhaps their parents died even uh, on the ship on the way here, on the way, on the way there. Or yeah, here, because we're in America. Uh, you know, I can just imagine that that's, that was a huge part of life, that there were lots and lots of or- orphans. I mean, it's where you get the idea of the newsies, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that's true. Yeah, the, the newsboys, the newsies. And um, I mean, there are a bunch of orphans who are out there selling the papes. Got to get them papes sold, which is a great movie and musical for those who are interested. Would highly recommend. Highly, highly recommend. And I, I totally agree with what you're saying because through complications or what have you, could have been a multitude of reasons that kids came over, didn't have any parents, maybe got separated just like Fievel did. Yeah, that was one of the more heartbreaking parts, I thought. I would agree with that. Well, it, I'd like to talk a little bit more about little old Fievel himself as a character in general. Yes, a very, um, as you said, annoying character at times. Very annoying. Most of the time. But he's also like six. So he's, he's just got a lot of energy. <laughs> very disobedient. Uh, yes, as yes. As far as I find the wait, wait, where are you going? Yeah, that's hard. That's where those uh the little <laughs> the little leashes come in for kids because they just want to push their little boundaries. They want to push, 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 push until you fall off a cliff. Not metaphorically, not literally, although hopefully not literally. Um, in Fievel's case, he fell off the boat, which is so crazy. Because the ocean's big, and they have the representation of, like, Poseidon just smacking the boat all around. Ooh, yeah, that was that was pretty powerful imagery. I liked that imagery a lot. Um, that was that was crazy. The only way that Philo survived is he somehow just gets swept up into a bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he somehow makes his way to America. But in that moment, that was the most frustrating when they were on the boat and his dad has told him where all the fishes come from and he's really excited. He wants to see the fishes and 
there's the massive storm that's going on. And Fievel's like, well, dad, I want to go see the fishes. And so he goes up there and he's like, he purposefully throws his hat out the door. Yes. He's like, like, dad, I got to get my hat. The whole time I was like, dude, uh, yeah. you threw that hat out there. Exactly. Get back <laughs> Your life is more important than seeing the fishes. But he just didn't truly understand the danger that was out there. Like he, he kind of knew and he laughed in the face of danger and said, I'm doing it anyway, because I'm going to do it my way. And <laughs> like the Frank Sinatra song, I did it my way. And, um, you know, he, he of course ends up getting tossed off the boat and his dad can't save him as much as he, he wanted to. And, um, as we were talking earlier, it really made me think about my life and like, I was trying to think of like, why was I so incredibly frustrated with Fievel in that moment? First of all, there was a, a lack of control of a feeling like you can't control the kid. And that is terrifying because like, what if we have kids that, that, that we can't control like that and they get themselves hurt and, you know, well, they got to learn somehow. Well, and that's true. That's true. We of course want to, you know, allow them space to make mistakes in like a safe environment, you know, before they make really, really big mistakes later on in life. That's why the home the home is a training ground. Anyway, so I was trying to think, okay, why was that so frustrating? And um, I realized it's because I act the same way. I'm a six-year-old child in the eyes of God. And I look around at the world and he's like, this is dangerous. God's like, Rebecca, this is dangerous. You shouldn't do that. And I'm like, but God... I want to see the fishes. Go ahead and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I knowingly make that decision anyway, or I'm tempted by something and I'm like, but I want to feel the pleasure. I want to taste the thing. I want to whatever, whatever it is. I want that excitement, the rush, the mm, whatever it is. And I knowingly make that choice to do it and how much that is, you know, and God is so merciful that, he allows us to make these decisions and choices and we may get lost for a while. You know, we may make a decision at some point that um, to where we get lost and we kind of flounder around and try to figure out what's happening. And, you know, what's great though, is that God is always waiting with open arms, just like Papa Mouskowitz is, is waiting for Fievel to take him back into the family. And, um, you know, kind of a little bit, like an allegory of the prodigal son, kind of... In a way. In a way, yeah. In Loosely, way. I'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we we do what we want. We we make these choices and, and decisions, and um, God allows that in our free will. He gave us free will so that we can make those decisions. And um, But yeah, he's always there with open arms when we come back. I would absolutely agree with that. There is a song by John Waller, it's called Calls Me Son. It's just a great representation of the prodigal son story and about God's, you know, open arms and forgiving uh, forgiveness. I'll play a little bit of it here. With 
So very uplifting psalm, very much a hopeful psalm, and just to reiterate, good message and the representation of the God's mercy and God's forgiveness. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at the lyrics actually right now, and at the very end of the song, he says, I won't understand how he'll put his robe on me. It will be amazing that he'll still call me son. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. When he calls me son, I once was lost, but now I'm found because he calls me son or daughter in this case. Wonderful. Getting back to Fievel for just a moment, I didn't see like, well, okay, I, I guess Fievel grows more aware in his character development. But other than that, I didn't see any other real character development for Fievel. Yeah, he was there to just kind of move the story along. He was really smart, though. I got to say, really, really smart to be a little six-year-old kid. Immediately when he gets into, I mean, and he, he's so, so quick, so quick to make those decisions and so quick to act on things, except for when he gets caught by the cats, but we digress. Um, <laughs> so he's so quick on his feet to think he gets uh, he dr- dropped in um, after the pigeon drops him off on the mainland and he comes in contact with the um the whoever the rat person is but that's not a rat that's actually a cat um yeah um warren warren rat yeah warren yeah okay warren rat well Um, i have his name here on my notes it's like warren rat or um warranty rat warranty hmm that's funny yeah i assume it's warren t rat Yes. Say it all together. Warranty rat. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So Warren, the rat, <laughs> um, he puts the, he basically like in, in uh, child sweatshops, ch- child labor, which was a big problem at the time. Anyway, so Fievel finds himself in this, this sweatshop with other um, kids, kids who are mice, which is, as Josh said earlier, where he meets Tony. And um, he's just like laying in bed and uh, Fievel's like, I got to get out of here. What am I doing here? And everyone's like, hey, shut up. (laughs) We're all stuck here together. And um, he's like, no, no, no. I'm not taking no for an answer. And then look, we're going to tie all these bed sheets together and then we're going to climb down the this tower and we're going to escape. And um, they're all like, no, no, it couldn't be done. It can't be done. Can't be done. Well, he's just doing it. He's not asking questions. He's just doing it. And um, sometimes I think we need to act that way, you know? Yeah, and the it, it, whenever they sell, it tells you you can't, 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 I don't know about anybody else, that makes you want to do it more. <laughs> yeah, well, and sometimes we spend so much time worrying about something when we should just, you know, like Nike says, just do it. <laughs> that reminds me of the... um uh oh my gosh shia labeouf thing (laughs) from like forever ago at this point where he's like just do it oh yeah yeah yeah. so funny everybody doing the the dub of the lit dub of that (laughs) yes well he did it in front of a green screen so they could insert it into any video movie tv show whatever you wanted um that's what was so great about it. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes we just need to do it. No time left the present, like I always say. 
That's right. That's right. It looks like you had a clip. Did you have a clip? Yeah. About Mr. A, Tony? Yeah, that Mr. Tony. Mr. Tony. Yeah, he's a, he's a real New Yorker. Um, yeah. from his... You know, would a New Yorker accent like that even exist at that time? I mean... You know? um, uh, the Brooklyn accent. May, uh, maybe. This is a little bit after Father first meets Tony, and he's gotten separated again because he's trying to go about his own way. Yeah, yeah, we didn't mention that uh, once he did make that little ladder rope thing to, to get down the tower, he immediately scurries off and uh, and runs away. Tony's like, dude, what you doing? I was trying to help you. You're going to get lost, man. Hey, Philly! I've been looking all over for you. <laughs> Pardon the expression, but uh, you look like something the cat dragged in, you know? <laughs> Hey, you all right? Yeah, I guess so. Listen, you go running off like that and you're going to get yourself seriously lost. And then, Tony. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Hey, pay attention a little more, kiddo. Also, why did he just t- change his name to Philly? Fival? Yeah. Philly? Uh, well, yeah. Is a Fival. That's kind of cool. I'm going to call you Philly. Like a Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> I mean, I guess I can't scoff too much. I had a friend like that. Her name was uh, Elisa was her name. And I, for the longest time, just called her Alyssa. And it, when I realized that her name was actually Elisa, I was like, well, I'm just going to continue calling you Alyssa. <laughs> it's too, too, too late to change It's too now. late. That's just who you are to me now. <laughs> Luckily, she was okay with it. <laughs> Well, getting kind of wrapping up here, let's discuss. I know one of your favorite parts: the music. Music. Now, there are not a lot of songs in this movie. There is a fair amount, but I think everybody is familiar with this one. Very pitchy. Uh, I'd I'd rather hear like the um the covers of this one. Yeah, I gotta say I don't love the version in the movie. I mean, it's sweet. Well, yeah. Well, rarely, rarely anybody does like the original that's in the movie. But that's why they have the pop version at the end. Well, I I like the original songs and. Well, uh, no, I was just saying for this one in particular. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Yes. It's just so, when they do the high notes, you're like, mm, mm. That was, that's difficult to listen to. <laughs> you're not out in the My ch- ears are bleeding. Yeah. You're not out in the chipmunks. Ooh, yeah. Poor things. Yeah, it's like, well, because when they do the pop version, instead of going the way up high like that, they actually go down. They're like, well, that makes way more sense. Poor kid's going to blow out their little vocal cords. So the version that we all know that you want to hear is this one. A lot better and a lot more uh, easier on the ears, I'll say. Yep, yep. Who sings that song? The pop version. And this is by Linda 
uh, Ronstadt and James Ingram. For some reason, it, it reminded me of the. Um, oh my gosh, what am I thinking of? Like in like the Disney Renaissance movies, right? Lion King. Oh, are you thinking um, like uh, Peter, Peter Bryson? And yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. That's what it reminded me of. I mean, kind of in the same same ballpark. But yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what it reminded me of. It wasn't there on uh, Anastasia nah, song at the end. I don't think so. Then there was never say never. Oh yes, back to American Tale. Uh, yeah, that one was fun, and also honestly, the bird was kind of confusing. The pigeon. I mean, I get what they were doing because the 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 guy who built the statue, yeah, Liberty, of Liberty yeah. is French. The Statue of Liberty is French. I did like how they made the Statue of Liberty its original color, which is copper. Right. Yeah. It's so strange for, to for think. For those who are listening, it wasn't always green, kids. No, it wasn't. It was originally copper, which is why it's green now, because when copper gets out into the rain and the acid and the whatevers, uh, goes through a, a chemical change. Yep, you're right. Yeah, chemical, as, not physical. Known as rusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then there, of course, was, you know, No Cats in America that we played earlier. There are no cats in America. It's a very fun song. Yeah. Other than that, there were no other songs. Oh, no, 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 no. There was a song between Fidel and... Uh, The the orange cat. Yeah, Tiger. Tiger. A duo is true. Oh, gosh. That one was forgettable. I do like Tiger, though. Tiger is cool. With his little, <laughs> so, no, no, stop, stop, no, more, more. <laughs> He's a good character. I like him a lot. He shows up a lot more in the second one, right? So he has somewhat of a quote unquote hiatus, but then he, in the middle of the film, but then he comes back towards the end. Oh, in the second one. Yes. We should watch the second one. Even if we don't do an episode of that, I still have to watch it again. Yeah, that'd be fun. And apparently there are four American Tale movies. That just sounds like a bit much to me, personally. They were trying to catalyze it as a last last effort cash grab. Yeah, did um, did Spielberg do those? I don't think so. Uh, I think those were like direct-to-video. Uh, so I he were, did one and two? I think he only did one. One. Mm, yeah. Yeah, the last two just seemed like, like you said, cash cash grab. Last ditch effort reminds me of um, Swan Princess and all the those extra ones. Yeah, because apparently there's like ten of those or more. That's too many. That is too. If they were originally cut like two D animation and still built more on the original storyline, it's like whenever CGI came came into the play and the characters look terrible that yeah. way. They stick with the same design, but not not great. I mean, there's always going to be a difference, in my opinion, to uh, like hand drawn 2D figures. There, there's just nostalgia, in my opinion, with yeah. hand drawn 2D animation. But that's why I love movies like American Tale, Land Before Time, Secret of Nim, all that stuff. So um, let's just do one thing that we really liked about the movie since we're coming up on time here. So I really liked the, um, the historical aspect of the movie. 
I really liked that it showcased what it was like in other countries and what drove people, or in this case, mice, to come to America. Like, what was that driving force? And what did the whole process look like? Like, they hit on so many major points, um, like the the orphans and the sweatshots and the child labor and just the oppression in general that still followed them to America and um, and all of that. So I, I really enjoyed the historical aspect of that. Yeah, the historical aspect was great. I really enjoyed the overall like banding together of a community of mice to, you know, again, take out their quote-unquote oppressors and how they devised this whole plan. And as you said, Philo is very smart. He's very, you know, quick when he puts his mind to it. Yeah. And this ends up being what ultimately saves the mice from being eaten and captured by the cats. I also like the uh, the 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 lady, the rich lady mouse. Yeah. Uh, why? Because of the way she talks. We must have a Huawei. A Huawei. What's a Huawei? You know, a Huawei. A watch gathering of mice for a reason. Oh, a rally. So that's what I said. A wowie. A wowie. <laughs> uh, yeah, she was funny. And good old honest John, which... He uh, ain't so honest. Yeah, if is... I learned anything from Pinocchio, it's to uh. not trust anybody <laughs> named Honest John. <laughs> but yeah. Well, that's our take on American Tale. And it looks like we'll be watching um, The Father Goes West uh, for us here in the future. You know, we got a great and different type of episode for you next week. So keep tabs on our social media uh, to find out what it is. Yeah, and we're really excited yeah, we about are. next week's episode. It's going to be great. Yeah, different from what we've done in the past, but uh, it's But it has been, been a while in the making as well. Until then... Keep those halos shiny and stay holy, my friends. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Analuya podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with all the latest information. We would love to hear your comments and questions about today's episode, as well as suggestions for future episodes. You can message us on our socials or email us at contact at analuya.com. 